The Celtics take game one of the 2022 NBA Finals. I tell you what, though, if you're the Boston Celtics, celebrate being up 1-0, but understand that this series is far from over. Straya, how are you going? Hey, going? It is NBA Straya. It's Friday, June three. It's gonna be May, and the NBA Finals have tipped off. And what a start! You little ripper. That's right. I'm your host, James Clements. I'm a writer. Sometimes uh, here, repping Straya a bit, talking all things you need to know. Not the nerd stuff, though. We're here talking NBA Finals Game One. A.K.A. the biggest fourth quarter collapse of the last 30 years in Golden State versus Boston. So we're going to wrap game one. It was psycho. It was unreal. There's also a bunch of news from today as well. LeBron turning into a billionaire. Portland up for sale, question mark. Adam Silver talking about expansion, etc. Uh, so we've got the game wraps. We've got a juicy slab but that's not an iPhone, mate. No, mate. Spud of the night. Better than Lonzo Ball. We've got dickhead of the week because it is Friday. TGIF. Am I right? Uh, we've also got Yeah Nas, the unpopular opinion of the day, and our back take house, where we're serving up a flame grill take. There's a uh, a slew of awards we're going to give out today as well. The Andrew Gaze Grey Mumber Award for Outstanding Achievement in the Field of Excellence, a Shane Hill Shoot, Shoot, Shoot Your Shot, Light Em Up Award, and a Luke Longley Blokes Who Just Know Their Bloody Job and Just Do It Award. And then we'll preview and pick Game 2 of the NBA Finals on Monday. How good is that? Well, I reckon it's pretty good, Jimmy. Yeah, not bad, eh? All right, let's get into it. Episode 828 of NBA Australia. Let's go. This is Joe Ingalls, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Watch out for the shark attack. Oh, you better. Or the COVID attack if you're uh, Jeff Van Gundy. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but also the Boston Celtics attack in the fourth quarter. If you're the Golden State Warriors, because holy moly, what a game. Right, let's get into today's show the way we start every show here at NBA Australia with the daily whip around. That's right, LeBron James. He's your first active billionaire athlete in the NBA. Love it. Uh, this sort of broke off today. Forbes, you know, doing their athlete valuations, etc. I think uh, basically LeBron and uh, Lionel Messi. Lionel. G'day, Lionel. What are you doing? Oh, my name's Lionel. All right, Lionel, settle down. Uh, LeBron tops a bill. Feels pretty good. 380-odd from his uh, contracts, etc. And then the rest from very smart investing as a very smart businessman. But really... Probably my favorite part of the billionaire part of LeBron is so much of that is the uh, self, uh, self-constructed self billionaire vibes of the Spring Hill Entertainment side of his business, which has got a huge valuation. They're the uh, folks behind The Undefeated. They're behind Space Jam 2, a legacy of heritage, <laughs> whatever it was. But also then his Fenway Sports Group stake, etc. But the Spring Hill stuff is pretty gnarly because they've done a lot of content. Obviously, the uh, the shop, etc., that went from HBO just recently to YouTube. But a lot of that's just literally just setting up your own company, 
and it's now worth a shit ton. Pretty handy when you're LeBron James. Uh, but a billion. MJ got there after he finished. Kobe got there after he finished. LeBron did it while still playing. That's pretty epic. A lot of that, you know, when you got Rich Paul in your corner out there, looking out for your interests, not uh, doing crazy shit like dating Adele. Oh, wait, no, he is dating Adele. That's weird. <laughs> but still, LeBron, good job. The Blazers! There's an offer made to buy them from the Allen family. You might remember Paul Allen passed away, sadly. Uh, his sister Jody is in charge at the moment, the trustee. And, you know, the vibe was, well, we'll sell it at some point. And uh, Nike, founder Phil Knight and Dodgers co-owner Alan Smolinski, have made an offer over $2 billion. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, people have pointed out, oh, the Blazers, man. Yeah, it's like a pretty small market. Two bills, pretty bloody good. It's like, yeah, that is, uh, if I'm the Allens, and I am not, I'll just check. No, I'm not. What are you doing? Fucking sell it. <laughs> Jesus. You know the Phil Knight's going to love it, you know. But anyway, good job, Blazers. Um, Adam Silver spoke to the media today as well. Uh, talked about that actual Portland sailing. He's like, yeah, it's our wish for the Blazers to stay in uh, Portland. Kind of neat. Uh, he talked about how they're not talking about expansion right now. This comes after uh, I've been sent about 87 different articles from folks talking about my beloved Seattle Supersonics. Don't worry, I'm on top of that as well. People in the know talking about things that they know about uh, Vegas and Seattle being the expansion teams after the next rights agreement. Adam Silver shot that down to a degree today. So, ah, we're not talking about that right now. So, all right, Adam, just fucking do it. Seriously, stop me sooking. Go get your money. Off you go. Uh, And they also talked about the NBA considering making the uh, all-NBA teams positionless, which makes sense. When you've got positions tied into uh, voting and then that voting on the all-NBA spot being tied into contracts. It seems fucking weird that it's got, like, mandatory positions. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. And, uh, yeah, generally just kind of like a bit of a chill Adam Silver vibe. You know, a couple of questions about China, which is pretty funny, just before the finals. Way to put a damper on that. And then the uh, last little couple of little bits of news, the Nets, they deferred taking their Sixers first round to pick this year in the draft from the uh, Ben Simmons-James Harden trade. Uh, which might go down in a uh, in history as you know one of the great lose lose trades. Um, so the Sixers will pick at number twenty three this draft. They can't trade until draft night, which is funny. Uh, but that also means they can't trade another draft pick for seven years. The Sixers because of all the weird conditions and stuff on uh, other picks that they've got owed, including the twenty twenty five uh, that's top six protected to OKC and the top eight protected pick for Brooklyn in twenty twenty seven. So great job, Philly. You've uh, really painted yourself into a James Harden corner. Fat man who feel clan. Uh, right now, he's probably sitting in a strip club uh, going, huh, with their finals on today. And the last tiny little bit of news, no Mike Breen and no Jeff Van Gundy on today's broadcast of the NBA finals. You might have noticed that. Really? Really? You're telling me that Jeff Van Gundy, who last time we saw him, coughed, spluttered, basically passed out on air through Game 7 the other day. Bloke looked like a heated up in the microwave meatloaf that then subsequently been left out in the sun for two weeks. You're telling me that that guy had COVID? What? No. What? No. What? No. I I, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I, I, I just... Don't know. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, it also meant, so Mike Breen, obviously, he was in the health and safety protocols before that. 
Uh, JVG looked like fucking warmed up death the other day. So hopefully they're okay. But it meant that uh, Mark Jones stayed up in calling the uh, doing the play-by-play in the A-team. And it was he, Mark Jackson, and Lisa Salters who became the all first all-black finals broadcast crew, which is pretty neat. And then you remember it's just unfiltered Mark Jackson by himself. And it fucking sucked. But anyway, let's do it. What a game. Let's talk about game one of the 2022 NBA Finals. 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 All right. Let's bloody well do it. What a game it was. Game one of the 2022 NBA Finals. Boston 120, Golden State 108. What? What? What the hell was that? What was that? What the hell was that? If you only watched the first three quarters, you might be asking yourself, what the hell was that? What an awesome start. This game was sick. Like, it was so much fun. It had a wild start. Steph was feeling it. Went off from the get-go. Uh, they were hunting Grant Williams when he was out there with Steph. You turned around and Steph had hit, like, four threes, five threes. Boston were looking nervy. There was a couple of air balls early from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But interestingly enough, Al Horford helped them just sort of settle it down a little bit. And even though the Warriors are just going absolutely ham in the first quarter and Curry hit five threes and then six, and you're like, what is going on? He drops 21 points in the first quarter. He plays all 12 minutes. He goes six of eight from downtown. And the Celtics are only down four. You're like, what is going on? Well... The Warriors were going to a zone pretty quickly, and the Celtics were attacking it. Derek White was helping out. But the good aspect of this game at that point for the Celtics was that uh, the scoring was sort of coming from everywhere. Like Tatum and Brown were doing just little bits. They were 4 of 11 combined, but Smart hit a couple of threes. Al hit a three. Derek White hit a three. And it kept their noses in it, right? So they're only down 4 after 1, despite the 21 points from Steph. Uh, Draymond started off the game 0 of 5, which was hilarious. Doesn't get any better. I'll talk about that later. Uh, But the weirdest part was it looked like the Celtics were playing in a bit of drop coverage against Steph. And he's like, oh, that's great. So you mean I can have like two feet of fucking space to just launch a three? Do you realize that I'm the best shooter in the history of the NBA? All right, you idiots. Bang. Chaos. Chaos. But the thing is like... You go into the second quarter, Atu, I like to get blood to. Porter hits his second three. The Warriors are up eight. And it was this weird moment after that first time out in the second quarter where you turn and go, this game has been awesome. <laughs> but both teams had shot 17 threes. But it was one of the very rare games in these playoffs where both teams had actually shot them well. Like, we was just so used to, like, Dallas going, we're going to shoot 23s in a quarter. And make three of them. Fuck. <laughs> this was sick. Like, it was 9 of 17 for Golden State, 8 of 17 for Boston. The most fun part, though, was it wasn't sloppy basketball either. I think at that point, they'd combined for 24 assists and only four turnovers. It was amazing. And the Celtics sort of sat there waiting for Tatum and Brown to get going. And it kind of never happened. There was an eight-zip run by the Warriors in the second that gets them up 10. Celtics turn around, rip off their own 10-0 run, and... After like an insanely tough, uh, there was that Marcus Smart jumper that he hits at the end of the shot clock with his foot in the line. Um, while Tatum was basically trying to hunt Steph Curry on defense. And they get this easy bucket to Jalen Brown after that. They get another one. Boom, off the Celtics go. They get a lead. It was pretty crazy. Like they'd survived like just the 
absolutely insane Golden State salvo to start it off. They were tied. There's five minutes to go in the second quarter. They'd given up five, uh, sorry, ten threes in that, up to that point. And it went back in half the rest of the first half. Like Jalen Brown was hitting some tough shots. Tatum gets a foul right at the end. That's three fouls on Steph. And the Celtics led at the half, 56-54. And you're like, what is going on? This is nuts. And they played the first half properly. They sort of just took stock. Well, they didn't take it perfectly because they let Steph drop 21 in the first quarter. But in that second quarter, the adjustments were really, really good because Steph just didn't score in the second quarter. He went 0 of 2. He played six minutes, 0 of 2, and just was kind of played out of it by Marcus Smart. And then, and then, uh, they come into the third quarter. And the Celtics really reared, like they reared up that old, ugly, old Celtics head, didn't they? Way soft passing, leading to turnovers. Steph hits a three. He's up to like seven at this point. It's a 19-8 to eight run after a 12-4 run to open it from the uh, Warriors. And the Celtics are like, oh, God, how did we just get down so much? Uh, they were turning it over. They look scrappy. The Warriors were getting every offensive rebound. They're up to nine at that point. Curry hits another three. They drop a 26-10 and 10 run to start the second half, the Warriors. They're up 14 out of nowhere. And this is the danger of playing the Warriors time and time again. We've seen it. You sort of like lose focus for like a three, four-minute stretch. You're like, we were leading. How are we down 14? And the Warriors are like, well, we're just really good. And it was that moment where in the third quarter, it's like 29-16, uh, the Celtics have gone 5 of 14 for the quarter and the Warriors have shot 10 of 20. Anytime that you can double the amount of field goal makes than the other team, I think that's a good idea. Just saying. Iguodala, Iguodala hits a three and they're absolutely working the Celtics at this point. It ends up being a 38 to 24 third quarter for the Warriors. And so Boston had a two-point lead of the half. Suddenly they're down 12 going to the fourth quarter. Tatum and Brown, there was a word that I was like searching for and I finally found it. I'm like, they look cowed. They don't look scared. They just look a little bit cowed of like, oh God, we didn't expect this. At this point, they were 9 of 31 from uh, the floor combined. 3 of 14 for Tatum, 6 of 17 for Brown, only two free throws for Jalen. Meanwhile, Golden State have hit 17 to 37 from three. They only had the 10 turnovers. But 26 points on 31 shots for your two best players through three quarters, not great. They'd also been outscored 23-9 on second chance points. You're like, well, this looks fucked. Start of the fourth quarter, Tatum. Talking of looking cowed, he just had this moment. He sort of drove, tried to throw the ball away, gets it back, misses a gimme layup. And then Jalen Brown realizes, hang on. Clay Thompson can't guard me. Fuck this. And goes hammering tongs. He hits a three. He has a lob to Time Lord. Out of nowhere, they've started the fourth with a seven-zip run. It's a five-point game. There's a timeout. Pritchard scores. Brown hits a three. It's a 12-2 run by the Celtics. It's a two-point game. Then, absolute fucking basketball Nirvana hits, doesn't it? Clay hits a three. You get a brown layup. Draymond scores a bucket. Pritchard hits a three. Steph hits a two. There's no stops. It's absolute chaos. Derek White hits a three. It's 101-100. Steph Curry has this amazing scoop layup about six minutes to go in the half. It's 103-100. 
It's 2011 in the first six minutes of the car of the half uh, first half of the fourth quarter. The chaos engine has engaged. I'm just basically sitting on the couch clapping delightedly. It's like this is champagne basketball. Then, then it all gets completely turned upside down. 103, 100. It's a 17-point Boston run. What? What was that? What the hell was that? I still don't know. White hits a three. The game's tied. Al Horford hits a three. The Celtics lead by three. The Celtics at that point are six of six from downtown in the fourth quarter. There's your answer. Suddenly they can't fucking miss. Absolutely amazing. From uh, basically... When they go from there, Horford hits another jumper out of a Celtics timeout. It's an 11-0 run. Celtics are up eight. You're like, what has just happened? There's three and a half minutes to go. Draymond misses two free throws. At that point, it's 31-11 in the fourth quarter. Then Smart throws in a dagger. The Celtics are up 11. Wiggins just launches the desperation three. What are we doing? Two minutes to go. The Celtics are up 11. It's a 39-16 run by the Celtics after they were down 87-72. Al Horford and Derek White have gone 11-15 from three. The Celtics had 12 assists in this fourth quarter. Five for Brown, four for Tatum. Smart hits one more three to finish off the 17-zip run, and the game is over. That was it. They just hit shot after shot after shot after shot. And the coolest thing was, I think, from just like a, you know, happily neutral perspective, the way they sort of rolled was that the shots were open and they just made them. And it's like watching this versus watching like Dallas, it's like the shots open, they just, as I said time and time again during the Western Conference Finals, Dallas had shooters who want the ball to go in. Golden State have got shooters who think the ball's already through the fucking hoop. Boston have a weird mix of Al Horford, Derek White. It's like, I reckon this one might go in. Oh, yeah. Sick. So from that moment, when you have the Steph Curry 103-100 little scoop shot, amazing vibes. They get the offensive rebound after a block. White makes the three. Steph misses a shot. Al makes a three. Warriors call a timeout. Draymond turns it over. Al hits another three. Draymond misses a three because it's just fucking a horror show at this point. They're down six, four minutes to go. Peyton Pritchard misses a three. Steph misses a three. Celtics call a timeout because they're like, we're up six. There's three and a half minutes left. What are we going to do? Ah, we'll kick it over to Al. He hits that beautiful jumper off a Tatum pass that puts him back up eight. And they're just like, oh, fuck. Three minutes to go, up eight. We coughed this away last time against Miami. What are we going to do? Well, Draymond uh, Draymond gets fouled by Al and misses those two free throws and for me like this is just that point where if he hits those it's a six point game and you saw him come to the line time after time after time against Dallas and nail those free throws he misses both instead of a six point game it's an eight point game Uh, they call a timeout they get an offensive rebound the Celtics smart hits that dagger to put put them up 11 there's less than three minutes left now they're feeling good they're feeling good and Draymond, like, I mean, if you get them within six, this is the, the Warriors. Like, that's like two Steph Curry trips up one end and we're tied up again. But it doesn't happen like that. We go, misses that, 
Desperation three. Derek White misses a three. Draymond turns the ball over. Smart hits another three. Pack her up, boys. Because that was basically all she wrote. Like, it was absolutely amazing that Smart, at the end of an insane fourth quarter where you've got Derek White, Al Horford doing crazy shit, Smart is the one that brings it home, puts them up 14. They score their first points to the Warriors with one minute, nine seconds left when Clay hits that shot. And uh, you might remember that the last time they'd scored prior to that was five minutes earlier. <laughs> like... 17-0, what a run, and the game's done. Like, Al gets fouled after that, and away we go. Pack her up, boys. The Boston Celtics have won game one of the NBA Finals. The Warriors end up going 19-45 from downtown. They have 14 turnovers in the end, and I feel like they had them at so many weirdly crucial moments where they could have just gone up 20 but they sort of had like either a bad shot or a bad pass. And then in that fourth quarter, it just gave the Celtics like an air of confidence about them where it's like, our defense is fucking awesome. We're going to get another turnover. We'll get another bad pass out of them and off we go. And that's exactly what happened. It was so weird to see it just sort of writ large, like come to life the way they did it because the turnover there's only four turnovers for the Warriors in the fourth quarter, but they scored 10 points off those four turnovers. It's like, yep, that'll not help. So Steph finishes with 34 after the 21 in the first quarter. Goes 7-14 from downtown. Five rebounds, five assists. He had three steals, had two turnovers. Played his guts out, but did sweet dick all in that fourth quarter as well. Plays the last... Basically, they bring him in at the uh, after the first time out of the fourth quarter, so he plays the last nine minutes. Goes two of six, and they got nothing else. They end up 7-17 seven of 17 in the fourth quarter, that, that Warriors team. Unbelievable. Clay with 15 points on 14 shots, hit three of seven threes. Wiggins hits 20, goes eight of 15 and two of seven from downtown. He started off pretty bad uh, from downtown, did Wigo, uh, but got cooking in that third quarter when they were absolutely on fire. I think he was like 0 of five, I think. Uh, 0 of three in the first half. So still, Wiggins with the 20. He got that sort of found money. Otto Porter, 4 of 5 from downtown for his 12. Looney was good. 4 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 3 blocks. Just did a little bit of everything. And Iguodala, 3 of 4 from the floor. Hits a 3. And it felt like the moment they gacked this game away, he was backing down Peyton Pritchard for a step-back jumper. And if you're a Golden State, it's like, that of all the options we have on the floor... Iguodala taking a step back jumper might not be it, but he had hit most of his shots to that point. What are you going to do? He's a foot taller than Pritchard. What can, you know, you'll take it. But then the real spuddy spud, 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 spuds for the Warriors, Jordan Poole, nine points, goes two of seven, and Draymond. Just a weird Draymond game. Four points, 11 rebounds, five assists, two steals, three turnovers, and two of 12 from the floor. Bulgies. Oh, geez. He's going to pop up again later. I'm just saying. Uh, meanwhile, the Celtics. So the 19-45 from the Warriors from downtown betted. And I'm no math magician or math scientist. But if you go 20-41, that's better than 19-45. Like 14 turnovers is worse than 12. So oh, I think they changed that to 13 now, but I had it written down as 12. But either way. 
The crazy part was, after being just punished on the offensive rebounds uh, by the Warriors, the Celtics end up tying them with rebounds at 39 each. And we're going to get to this later, but the fact that they win this game with Jason Tatum shooting 3 of 17 is absolute chaos to me. 1 of 5 from downtown. He had a twinkle toes 3 in the fourth quarter that just was so short. You're like, ah, they're never winning this game. Oh, God, they're winning this game. Because... Emi Udoka brought this up after the game. Tatum had 13 assists and only two turnovers. And impacting the game positively while struggling shooting-wise is 100% one of those superstar moments where you go, oh, oh, Tatum, he's still doing good things even if he can't hit his shot. Ends up with 12 points, 5 rebounds, 13 assists, and not fucking once. Not once did I hear anybody jacking off like they would about, oh, Kobe, Kobe's gone into distributor mode. He's gone into facilitator mode. He's gone into passer mode. Tatum had 13 fucking assisted two turnovers. It was huge. Every time Jalen Brown tried to dribble the ball, it looked like he's dribbling a fucking footy and just dribbling off his foot, dribbling it to the other team. It was fucking chaos. Tatum, meanwhile, shredded. He made the right pass time and time and time and time again. And like that's a sort of next level superstar game where you're shooting like shit. You're absolutely crapping the bed on offense on the offensive end, but you're making the right pass, you're making the right play. So your coach is like, to be honest, this is fine. He might still get it going. He's impacting the game positively. Off we go. Brown ends up with 24-7-5. He got absolutely smoking hot in that fourth quarter. And it was like that moment for the Celtics where it's like, wait, if Jalen is cooking, then we've got a chance. You're telling me there's a chance? Like, it was pretty crazy. I mean, he went 1-4 of four in the third quarter and had 14 points at that point, 6-17. of 17. As I mentioned, uh, between he and Tatum, they were, what, 9-31. of 31. Not ideal. And then he comes out in the fourth quarter, just goes, bang, 10 points, 4 of 6 from the floor, 2 of 3 from 3. He had five assists. Tatum has the four assists. It's just beautiful basketball. 10 to 23 in the end for him uh, for his 24. Smart ends up with 18. Goes 7-11. Four of seven from downtown as well. Not bloody bad. Four assists, a couple of steals. Time Lord, eight points, six rebounds, four blocks, and gave them that perfect vertical threat. It's like almost every time down the floor, you're just like, to be honest, we could probably just throw Rob a, uh, an alley-oop, and we're probably going to score. Well, something, even the threat of him out there, though, changes the uh, layout of the floor for the Celtics. Pritchard had eight points. It was really good. Six rebounds, two assists, two or three threes. Grant Williams, uh, 16 minutes, 0-2. Not great, not great. Still enjoyed his hustle and the energy. Three rebounds, three assists. But obviously, the big difference makers in this game for the Celtics. Average Al Horford playing his first finals game ever. 26 points, six rebounds, three assists, and a steal. What a game. 21 for Derek White, 6 of 11 shooting, 5 of 8 from 3. Al goes 9 of 12. And you're, and it hits 6 of 8 from downtown Al Horford. I mean, come on. We'll talk about them both in a second. Boston now lead the NBA Finals 1-0. That's the first home loss these playoffs for the Warriors after nine straight wins. And Boston have stolen home court. And off we go. I'm not saying I told you, but Boston were my pick. But as I also tweeted out, 
I've not been so surprised by an outcome of a game after the first three quarters than like the most I've been surprised was when I walked into a old mate and I's bedroom, opened the door, and then just like the squid was somehow waiting for me, just whacks me right in the ghoulies and gives me the old, <laughs> He does such a fucking maniacal skeletal laugh that it's hilarious. And it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> That's what this Celtics game was to me. Basically getting punched in the ghoulies while a three-year-old laughs like a fucking psycho. <laughs> ah, that's some good analysis. I'll tell you that much. Is that, did I put the right emphasis on the wrong syllable? What do you reckon? Let's do an NBA Australia approved performer of the night. <laughs> that's not a night. That's a night. Oh, God. Steph had this wrapped up, didn't he? Six threes in the first quarter. That's the most in a quarter in the NBA Finals ever. Yeah, 21 in that first quarter as well. That's the most since MJ had 22 in the fourth quarter against the Suns in 93 in Game 4. And it didn't matter because he got outplayed by Average Al Horford and Derek White. What a game for the two Celtics role players. Horford with the 26-6-3 in his first ever NBA Finals game. But just the shooting splits are chaos. 9 of 12... And six of eight from downtown. It's the most he's ever made in any game ever, Al Horford. Six of eight from three. He's never hit six threes in a game before. He goes two or three at the line. Unbelievable game. And Derek White, he's got the old Fred Van Vliet of the fight and Van Vliet serum, a.k.a. having kid. Like, And you'll get like dad strength, or as Mark Jackson would say, strength. Uh, White with 21 points, six of 11 shooting. Five of eight from three. That is amazing. Also went perfect to four of four at the line and has three assists. But the way that they stepped up when the Celtics needed them the most, uh, while Tatum and Brown were sort of struggling, they just kept them afloat and then they just fucking booted them right over the line. We're going to talk about this a little bit more later, but there's like an aspect to when you pull off a comeback like this, usually it's on the back of your superstars and sometimes I run out of gas. Horford and White were the exact opposite of that, and that's why the Celtics got ahead, because it was immense. Like, Steph having 34 in an NBA Finals game that the Warriors lose, after all this debate we've been having about, ah, oh, does he need a Finals MVP? It's like, well, it kind of just sums up his Finals performances pretty nicely, right? He is the stir that straws the drink. The straw that stirs the drink. There you go. The stir that straws the drink, Jimmy. Have another coffee, mate. Yeah. Anyway, has 34. Lights it all up. The place is on fire. He's fucking having a great time. And uh, just kind of, when the going got tough, the tough got going. Just saying. Spud of the night. Spud, 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 Wow, Jason Tatum had this locked up until he was saved by his mates in the fourth quarter. And then Draymond Green went, don't worry, Jason, I'll get this. Takes it in an Enos canter, does Draymond in the end. 2 of 12 from the floor for the spot of the night, Draymond Green. 0 of 4 from downtown as well. But as I said, like the worst part for me were the two missed free throws that still would have given the Warriors an absolute chance of winning the game. But he misses both. They go down eight after the next trip. 
Uh, well, they were down eight, so they stay down eight rather than down six. The 0 of 3 from the free throw line for Draymond had, I swear, every Dallas fan who watched those games where Draymond calmly sank every three throw in front of him, they just got to be punching their fucking couch. Just going, what the shit? This dude can't hit a free throw now. You're fucking kidding me. But 2 of 12 is pretty gnarly. Because, like, despite Tatum going 3 of 17, and literally he misses 14 shots, that's a lot of shots to miss in an NBA game. But I've already made the case. Like, those assists and keeping him out there, the only the 13 assists to two turnovers were incredible because he was creating incredibly good looks for the likes of Average Al Horford and Derek White. The drive, you still have to respect what he's doing out there offensively. Even if he's shooting like shit, you know that he can turn on a dime and turn it around. So to find the right player in these amazingly well-set-up sets and really well-run offense, like Tatum, you can't give him spud of the night. Even like If they had have lost, he probably gets it, but the way that they won and the way that he helped in that fourth quarter, he and Jalen Brown was immense. So spud of the night is going to be Draymond because he also had like two or three bites at like different times of the game at one offensive possession and it just never went down. So that's why you end up with 2 of 12, 0 of 4 from downtown. The backpack shot, never great. Draymond, easily, spot of the night. Who's all mate, no mates, though? All mate, no mates. Oh, don't worry about that. It's, it's just Draymond again. Because, like, when you're that loud and annoying, and I know this, uh, <laughs> you can't also play that badly. Because the bus ride gets real fucking quiet, real fucking quickly. It's like, clap, clap. Come on, fellas, we're going to get him next time. Fellas, like, shut the fuck up, Draymond. Why don't you go miss another free throw, you dickhead? Like, who said that? And everybody's just like, yeah, it was Steph. (laughs) But Draymond being that loud, that aggressive, that annoying all the time, and then to go out and then throw up a 2 or 12 and an Ofer at the free throw line, like, it's very much a... No, mate, he's your fucking mate. No, I've never hung out with him. What are you talking about? You are the one that always goes to his barbecues. Fucking shut up. You're the one with the locker next to him. You go tell him to stop shooting. Fuck. Draymond. Easily old mate, no mates. Pants of the night. Oh, there was that great sequence early on. So Jalen Brown had played like dog shit for most of this game, apart from the sequence where he blocked the absolute shit out of Kevon Looney. And then goes through Jordan Poole for the dunk. Uh, and like the fucking giant tomahawk it was too. He then airballed a three. Like it was such a crazy Jalen Brown sequence. And another pantsing I think was the... Uh, there was a couple of loony blocks. But also the Time Lord block on a Steph three. It's one of those ones where you're like... You don't see Steph get blocked at the three point line. Time Lord just has that insane ability to go... Oh shit. Oh yeah, I can block this. And Time Lord also had a sick block on Wiggins off a turnover where Time Lord was kind of at fault. It had kind of been bounced off his foot. Wiggins collects it, drives. Time Lord sort of half wraps him up, but just stays with him the entire way. Wiggins tries to throw up the layup, at least trying to draw a foul at the same time. And Time Lord just grabs the ball and just goes, nah, swats it up, grabs it back out of the air. And uh, they give the ball back to the Warriors because he ends up landing out of bounds. But God damn, it was a bit of a pantsing. Wiggins is like, ah, this is all good. Oh, why is he still on me? What the shit? Come on, man. But there were some great pantsings all game. And, of course, literally, just as a collective, the Warriors got completely pantsed in that fourth quarter. Seriously. 
the fourth quarter. What an absolute fucking chaos quarter it was. As I said, they shoot 7 of 17. And the way that the Celtics just went, that's kind of neat. 7 of 17 is nice. Uh, we're going to drop 15 to 22. And nine. they hit more threes in the fourth quarter than the Warriors hit shots. They went 9 of 12 from downtown. It was absolutely amazing. A 40 to 16 fourth quarter. The biggest most lopsided fourth quarter in NBA Finals history. Absolutely amazing. You better believe that's a Panson. Better than Lonzo Ball? <coughs> Lonzo was the best player in high school. He was the best player in college. You think you will get to the pros and be like, I made it to the pros. Now I can be average. He's coming for everybody. Coming for everybody. He's got to be Peyton Pritchett. What a game. Love me a bit of Peyton Pritchett because he got out there, caused some havoc, kicked some ass, took some names. And this is the series where you can play Pritchard just that little bit more because his size isn't going to be that much of a problem. And if he's hitting a couple of threes, you're laughing. So eight points for him, two or three from three. Also had six rebounds. For a bloke, he's like six foot fucking nothing. That's gnarly. Two assists, only the one foul. He was a plus 14 in his 15 minutes. He loved to see it. And of course, eight NBA Finals points already for uh, Peyton Pritchard. That completely outstrips the entirety of Alonzo Ball's entire playoff career. So... Great job, Peyton Pritchard. Today, better than Lonzo Ball. And finally, who was Dickhead of the Week? Dickhead of the Week! Oh, oh, fuck your stats. Kobe's the GOAT. Shut up, Kyrie! Anyway, uh, Kyrie going, oh, 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 screw your stats. Kobe's the GOAT. It's like, yeah, yeah, cool, Kyrie. Just say he's your favorite player. You can't make a credible argument for Kobe being the GOAT, you moron. Uh, but of course, Dickhead of the Week... Stephen A. Smith, Kevin Durant, I mean, KD just laying it out there, just going, hey, man, what Stephen and dudes have done like that and changed the game, all Stephen A. and stuff like that, and uh, Skip and all the other loudmouth talking head dipshits, uh, KD's like, yeah, there's just more of them, and it sucks, and I hate it. Just go away. And Stephen A. and Skip and everybody just like, ah, guess what, Kevin? You're a coward and whatever. We've got your number now. Shouldn't you be out there playing in the finals, man? Oh, you gotcha. And Kevin Durant's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I've already won two titles. How about y'all blow me? <laughs> so Stephen A, like the fact that KD can come out and have a crack, but Stephen A and Co feel the need to clap back and say that sort of dumb shit kills me. But then Stephen A Smith, who I have just that absolute, like I watch him with just sheer sheer enjoyment because I just don't know I just don't know. I, I don't know what I'm gonna do with myself I, I, I just don't know but him saying that MJ was bad for basketball because it turned everybody into wanting to be like Mike is one of the more asinine fucking comments you'll ever see so dickhead of the week can also be Stephen A Kyrie KD whoever weirdly enough we're not talking about like you know any of the dudes on Boston or Golden State so that'll tell you a bit alright let's do some ENRs right after this this is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Mitch McCarran. This is Jason Kiddie. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington, or commonly known as Wertho, and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. 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 All right, some Yanaz. 
Brought to you by the NBA Australia Shop. Go get your merch. Get your merch. People. Get your merch. Get your merch. Wear it. Get your merch. Get your merch. Get your merch. Get your merch. Ah, oh, get your merch. Get your merch. Go on. NBAAustralia.com slash shop. Uh, or just click through the links on the socials. Off you go. Get a t-shirt. Get a hoodie. Help a brother out. I've said before, we're doing some work on the house. Need to clear everything out. So if I send it to you because you want one and you've paid for it, then that's a better option than me putting it back in a fucking box and having to store it somewhere, isn't it? So go check it out. <laughs> Help a brother out. Come on, man. I don't charge anything for this, do I? So off we go. Right. Go do it. NBAstrade.com slash shop or just click on the links on the socials. Right. Was this the most insane swing in a finals game you can remember? Yeah, nah. Yes. Because where does this game really, do you think, have to go? Like, it was absolute chaos. Can we, should we send it? Let's, should we send it? This is going straight to the pool room. Seriously, they're up 12 heading into the fourth. And like what? The Celtics win with probably the best fourth quarter by a team in finals history. Like, I think the biggest blown lead after three quarters in 30 years. Like, that is absolutely amazing. So, here we are. Like, the last team to lose a finals game were by up by at least 12 with Portland in 92 in game six when uh, MJ basically closed them out. But the 17-0 run, the 9 of 12 from three... 40 to 16 in the fourth quarter. That's the biggest, biggest turnaround. Like, holy shit. Like, the only times I can think about, like, absolute meltdowns like that are just other playoff games, right? It's, you've got the uh, famous Rockets Clippers uh, where Josh Smith and they drop all. That was 40 to 15, I think, in that fourth quarter. Josh Smith had 14 points. It was amazing with Harden on the bench. And there was that stretch by what the Clippers got beaten by the Nuggets in the. Uh, bubble, right? They're up by 13 in game five, up by 16 in game six, and away they go. It's up seven, I think, in game seven, and the Nuggets, yeah, that's called them 50 to 28 in the last 23 minutes. I think that is like got to be like the biggest fourth quarter turnaround I've ever seen in a finals game, and at least the biggest, most in. It's probably, I can easily say it's the most insane swing in a finals game that I can remember in such a short amount of time. Because really, it's like that nine sort of minutes, but they were still down 103-100. Like, and it was on for young and old when they were 103-100 because, I mean, Steph hits that shot, 103-100, here we go. It's six minutes to go. The Warriors were leading at that point, 103-100. With half a quarter to go. And they lose by 12. That's the most insane part to me. Like, to lose by 12 over that stretch, he turned around and it was 117-103. 17-0 run. The defense clicked in. The Warriors offense just sort of went MIA and skadoosh. So, yeah, that's the most insane swing in a finals game I can remember because six minutes completely blew that game up. Unbelievable. It's not even really six minutes. Like, by the time they get to 117, it's five minutes of the game. <laughs> like, really even four. Because, like, after, by the time Smart hits that first three, there's, like, three minutes to go. They're up 11. Then he hits his next three. There's a minute 45 to go. They're up 14. That's the 117-103 moment. That is amazing. So it's really only four minutes of NBA game that they go from 103 
100 to 117-103. That is the most insane swing I've seen in an NBA Finals game. Incredible. Brad McKeegan, he sent in, and yeah, nah, Jimmy, if someone told you the Celtics would win and Tatum shot 3 of 17, you'd be worried about their mental health. Yeah, nah, yes. Like, holy shit. I think we had uh, Max Quinn over there on uh, Twitter as well, just like, can you believe it? It's like, nah, I literally can't. Like, I think about it and think about it and think about it, and no, I still really can't believe it. Like, with Tatum shooting 3 of 17, I can't believe it. Because McGagan then said to follow up saying, like, when they came back from down 14, I had your words about burning your energy running through his head. But the Celts just put a stamp on it and sent it. And that's exactly what they did. And this was the point I was leaning on earlier. Usually when you come back from a huge, huge deficit, you have that sort of combination of your superstars waking up. Jalen Brown did obviously a little bit. But this was so much Al Horford, so much Marcus Smart, so much Derek White, that even though like Tatum and Brown were kind of orchestrating it, like when you're sharing the load across your team like that, it's much harder for you to run out of energy and sort of when you've got it to 100, 103, when Steph hits that shot, you're like, ah, geez. Well, they've come all the way back now. <laughs> now the Warriors will put the boot back on their throat and they'll win it. Nah, 17-0 run from there. It is the most unlikely end to an NBA Finals game I've ever seen. It was absolutely mental. Seriously. Like when they were down, what? Draymond scores, they're down 99-94, the Celtics. They hit five straight threes. Off they go. It was just absolute fucking chaos. Absolute chaos. Oof. So what's that, a 26 to... Yeah, they finish on a 26-9 to run. Unbelievable. What a turnaround. So, yeah, McKeegan makes a really good point about how getting over the hump is the really, really hard part and then staying up is really tough. But that's when Marcus Smart hits those extra couple of threes. And that's why I think those Draymond free throws that he missed were just so crucial because it allowed the Celtics to keep the momentum and they sort of just put the boot in. It was in nothing will ever, I think, compare to just that sheer chaos of those four minutes. Amazing. That said, can the Warriors bounce back? Yeah, nah. Yeah, of course. I mean, they they had sort of had they had this game in hand until those weird four minutes, right? So I think they've proven that their offense can really, really obviously uh, have their way with this Boston defense. But the Boston defense was just so good, and that obviously leads to a bit of a momentum swing. You get a couple of stops, you hit a couple of shots, and away you go. But the Warriors are also really fucking good. So I think they can bounce back. The question is obviously always, will the Warriors bounce back, Jimmy? Yeah, nah. Well, I mean, they'll bounce back to a degree. Like, I don't think they'll get swept. But, I mean, this was in Wednesday's preview show. Like, my pick was always that the Celtics would win game one and then win in six. And, like, nothing's changed that much for me right now, obviously, because the Celtics won. And... I think the Warriors will bounce back. But to a degree of uh, winning this now in a gentleman sweep, it'd be pretty funny. But I don't know. Like, the answers for the Warriors for me are, can we not have Draymond miss 10 shots? (laughs) Can we hit some more threes? They hit 19 of them anyway. Like, they had the Steph game, an insane Steph game. It's like, well, shit, we needed 40 from Steph, it turns out. 
and then some. We needed more from Clay. We needed something from Poole. And defensively, like, they got... Like, the Celtics torched them with Al Horford and Derek White without Tatum having a good game. So the blueprints for both teams are a little bit awry because this does feel like just an absolutely insane outlier of a game where you've got Derek White and Al Horford hitting all the threes in the world. So I think the Warriors, if this game is just sort of a much more normal run-of-the-mill sort of game for them, yeah, they can bounce back. Do I think the Celtics can still easily win the series? As I said, if they win game one, they win in six. That was my prediction. Sticking with them. Unpopular opinion of the day. Now look at me, please. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Uh, it was funny to see that this had already been floated out there, but um, there was a bledgy, a blocked wedgie, and it's like, how does... Wait, why is this now a jump ball? Like, I feel like that should all be treated as like an over and back... Well, not an over and back, but an over the backboard shot or something. It's like, yeah, the offense already had their chance. They missed the shot. Like it got blocked. Reward the defense. Why are we not rewarding the defense for getting us essentially what is a stop? Like how is that not just the ball of the defensive team? I hate it. I don't know if that's an unpopular opinion for like other folks out there, but it shits me up the fucking wall. Every time like there's a sick defensive play and stuff like that, they're like, oh, no, actually we're just, it's a jump ball now. It's like, why? (laughs) The defense got the stop. This is bullshit. Anyway. Uh, right, what about an Outback Takehouse, though? It's Friday at Outback, and you know what that means? Oh, yeah, 4 for 1 TGIF Foster's Oil Drum Cans. That's right, full of icy cow Foster's Lager. It's Australian for horse pee. I mean, beer. Definitely not horse piss in a can. Even though no prick in Australia wouldn't touch this with your dick. You crazy fucking yanks. Drink it up. Only at Outback. And today's Flame Grill take is the Warriors looked at how good Steph was playing in this game and said, right, we can't win this because if he just romps over the top of them, it's going to be too easy. We need a bit of adversity and we'll throw Steph his finals MVP in the long run by getting down in the series. Just watch. He's going to torch it the rest of the way, walk out finals MVP just so Adam Silver can make sure that he's a top 10 player of all time. Only at Outback. Also, Adam Silver just pressed the buzzer and was like, right, now, nah, Warriors, you got to lose this. I need this to go seven uh, right now. That's <laughs> basically like, as I tweeted out, like somewhere Adam Silver is just not wearing pants during this game. He's like, oh, God, yes. <laughs> Loving every second of it. Ratings bonanza. Just think, you've now got the Warriors on the ropes. You've got a legacy market like uh, Boston involved. He is fucking flying. All right, let's uh, take a quick break. We'll be back with the Andrew Gay's Grand Mumble Reward for outstanding achievement in the field of excellence. A Shane Hill shoot, a shoot, shoot, a shot, light him up award, and a combo Luke Longley award. Right after this. This is Chris Anstey, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Andrew Gay's Grey Mumba. Alright, clap it up. There you go. 
I uh, just enjoyed this one about how this is the 21st. Uh, they've just come off the 21st series win in NBA history. Steph, Clay, and Dre. Uh, so that becomes that's the most playoff series wins, the second most playoff series wins in the last 30 years for Steph, Clay, and Dre. And you're like, ah, oh, 30. Pl- who has who has more than 21 in the last 30 years? Oh, yeah, that's right. Timmy Duncan, Manage Nobly, and Tony Parker, I slept with your wife. The fact that they've got 27 playoff series wins is fucking chaos. And just one of those reminders that the Spurs and their 20 years of dominance is just chaos. And, like, Steph Clay and Draymond, this was rightly the uh, way that the Warriors wanted to build their franchise. Like, we want to build around these three dudes, and we'll keep building it and hopefully keep this period of dominance for as long as like someone like the Spurs did. And they're well on their way because they've got 21 playoff series wins. Uh, the next one was uh, 20 with Shaq, Kobe, and D-Fish, um, which I thought was hilarious because it's like, well, who's the third guy? It's like Derek Fisher. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but 21 so far for Steph Clandre. And I'll tell you what, a bit of the old uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum would be getting up there uh, in a few years, just saying so. All right, what about the Shane Hill shooter shoot? Praise the Lord for I'm healed. It is the Shane Heal. Shoot a shoot. Shoot your shot. Light him up award. We're going to combine this with the Luke Longley blokes who just did their bloody job role plays of the week award. Uh, Because weird little combo, but six of eight from downtown for average Al Horford. And Derek White goes five of eight. If those dudes are going to go 11 of 16 from downtown, <laughs> that's a hell of a game you should win. And my favorite part was how Al's six threes were the most he's ever hit in a game, regular season or playoffs, didn't matter. So Derek White and Al Horford just absolutely knew their job, went out and did it to absolute perfection, and went 11 of 16 from three. That is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, and in the second half specifically, like the two of them... Uh, really just went, all right, cool, foot down time, let's bloody go. Al goes four of five, and White goes three of four in the second half. So, yeah, that's right. They went seven of nine <laughs> second half combined. It's so good. They smashed it. Uh, but also a little extra, a bit of a uh, Steph Curry, uh, Shane Hill shooter, shoot, shoot, shot, line him up board. He's now at 128 made threes in NBA Finals. 128. Next is uh, LeBron, Clay at 86, JR at 59, Danny Green at 59, Robert Horry at 56, Ray Allen at 55, and Kobe at 48. All right, Patty Mills Game Day, Baller Game Day Twitter check-in. And I have absolutely loved that Patty is back. I'm here for it. And uh, I also, oh, we've got an extra year now that's like flown in over here. Al is flexing on you. Is it really 2022? Yeah, nah. That's from Matty Owens. <laughs> that's a bloody good one. Is he flexing on us? You better bloody believe it. Yeah, nah. Love it. But in terms of the uh, Patty Mills Game Day Baller Game Day Twitter check-in, you gotta, gotta go have a look at Patty Mills' IG at the moment. It's really inspiring shit. He's just, you know, on these little planes, hanging out, landing out there in the... Uh, out there on what Murr Island in the Torres Strait and it's absolutely awesome and obviously celebrating Marbo Day 30 years worth of Marbo Day and uh, so June 3 
it's pretty amazing work from uh, Patty. So go check it out. Always entertaining. Always educational. And uh, Patty Mills is doing his off-season the right way from the looks of it. Um, but there was a great one where he has I'm Patrick Dwarb Nation situated in the beautiful pristine waters near the Great Barrier Reef like a jewel flowering in the Coral Sea. Welcome to my home, Murray Island. Amazing. Some incredible photos there. So go check it out. Patty Mills, always inspiring on the IGs. You bets to bloody believe it. Right. Let's do a game preview, though. The game two. Let's do it. Game preview. Game preview. Thanks, inadvertent Bane. Not a problem, Jimmy. How's the weekend shaping up? Ah, bloody good. Very chilled after last weekend's three gigs and three nights for the same band, which just completely fucking wrote me off because uh, I'm old and washed. But still, I drank a million beers. Got through it okay. Uh, and here we are. Game number two is not till Monday, 10 a.m. our time. That's on the east coast of Australia. Boston at Golden State. Game number two. So after that, in game one, we uh, always ask, how did we go with Jimmy's, you know, five big questions uh, for game for the series, right? And for Golden State, what curry do we get? Answer was a really good one. Number two, does their offense still manage to create those third, fourth, and fifth movements that lead to so many easy points? Kind of, and especially early where they got Wiggins going, Clay had some stuff, but it sort of left a little there with Draymond missing so many sort of bunnies. And uh, do they have enough perimeter size defensively? Yes, they did. Otto Porter being back is huge for them because he can actually hit a three and he can also stay out there and actually cover Jason Tatum. So if he stays healthy, that's a pretty nice uh, sort of weapon that they have. Uh, Will Looney give them a board advantage like he did against Dallas? He was really tanning Al Horford there for times. And then the question, the last one was, pull the Warriors barometer, or is it clay? And I sort of ended up like landing sort of on how Poole just fills in the gaps. And if he's going okay, the Warriors are probably going to beat you. And you saw exactly today. He wasn't going okay, and they got beat. And Boston, how healthy are they really? Smart's looking pretty good. Time Lord, eh, but if he, their defense, though, in that second half really kicked in a notch. Uh, can they have a series where their offense doesn't try to gack away games entirely? Well, turns out when you just have Derek White and Average Al Horford hitting every three, that answers that question. Do we see more Grant Williams on offense and will it matter? It turns out, no, it doesn't matter because you can still hit uh, a million threes from elsewhere and uh, get enough energy from him and off you go. Can Tatum eat? Can he be finals MVP, Jason Tatum? I think he can. I think the weirdest part about him is that Jason Tatum can have that game each series or I think against Milwaukee, he had two of those games. He had one against Miami in game three. If he goes out and dominates the rest of the series, like, watch out. Like, if that's the one game where he struggles, Golden State could be in a bit of trouble. So the point is, we get to game two, and you'll look at those questions, and they all still sort of stand, right? Like, what curry do we get in game two? Can he sort of do that after they've uh, changed up their defensive looks at him? Like, that drop coverage was just so weird and head-scratching. I don't know, like, we'll never see Danny Tice again. Like he played and he was so fucking bad that you're like, oh, cool. Brad Stevens might just put him in a cannon and fire him off into the distance, you know. But they played much better on Curry after that. Smart just dismantled him time and time again. But the way that they managed to sort of take away his space was really, really important. Um, 
will their offense create those extra shots? I think so. I think they'll uh, adjust and sort of uh, free up the likes of Poole and Co. just that little bit more. But that's the thing. The Celtics' defense is that good that they can sort of slow down the impact of a Poole, Wiggins, and Clay. And uh, if that happens, they're in a bit of trouble. So Poole as the barometer, they need to get him going. Looney played his ass off today, but it's not a clear advantage like it was in Dallas. His time lord is also pretty bloody good. Uh, so the bounce back, though, I think it happens. My point is, you got the Warriors at home. They're four and a half point favorites a game. I'll just check that. Uh, yes. Dollar fifty favorites, four and a half point favorites as well. So I'm going to take the Warriors in game two. I think the Celtics offense, you saw it struggle for, you know, pretty big stretches, especially in that third quarter where the Warriors always sort of put the foot down in the third, but the Celtics kind of tried their hardest to gack that away, but Al Horford and Derek White didn't let them. I think we get more of a Tatum game in game two, but the Warriors pull out a win and they win it probably by about six or eight just because I think it just all clicks a little bit more. They get much more into their groove at home and uh, don't have a disastrous, huge, literally quite historical, horrible shit burning, like burn the bed, shitting of the bed moment that takes up four minutes of their fourth quarter. You know what I'm saying? They were still up 103-100. They let the Celtics back into the game, and then the Celtics just kept on going, which is just amazing to me. So, for a th- what must have been a thirty-one point turnaround if they're down fourteen at one point, I just can't see the Warriors doing that again. So, give me the Warriors minus four and a half for Game Two on Monday at ten a.m. And I think Boston. I just think with Marcus Smart hitting four threes, Horford hitting six threes. White hitting five threes. I just don't know if they can replicate that, even if Tatum plays really well, and I think Golden State get game two, because I think they have a more replicable game from today, whereas the Celtics played out their ass and got a huge, amazing turnaround, which was amazing. So I'm going to take Golden State in game two, but I'm still sticking fat with my uh, Celtics in six uh, vibe. So how are the rest of Jimmy's picks from the preview show going? Celtics in six, the $5.30. Hope you jumped on that, just saying. Uh, finals MVP, Tatum was at $2.75. Pretty nice. Uh, what else do we have? Steph to drop 40 in any game and Golden State to win the finals. That's still on the cards. Kevon Looney with the highest rebounds average. Ooh, tricky. Tricky, but still not bad. Highest points per game average. Steph at $2.30. That's an easy one. Um, but either way, the finals MVP of Tatum and Boston at 6. It's still doable, so we're still looking pretty good. But either way, what a game one and what a start to the finals because I don't know about you, but that was just fucking basketball nirvana for me. I loved it. It was so much fun. Like, as a neutral in this series, enjoyed the shit out of it, had lots of fun, and guess what? We'll be back on Monday doing the same shit because we did some live videos over on Facey. Uh, We'll maybe hook up the old YouTube and the uh, tweets as well to do that. But either way, we'll be back on Monday. We'll do another preview before the game starts, pop in at halftime, do a quick post game, and then we'll do the show because that's what we do here on NBA Australia. We've got you covered. So go check us out on Twitter, FaceIGs. Uh, check out NFL Australia with myself and Gaz. Talking about the NFL, go subscribe to that. World Wrestling Australia with Adam. That's over on YouTube. NBAAustralia.com slash shop. Get your merch, get your merch. Chuck us a rating and review on your iPad, on your iTunes, whatever. 
Apple Podcasts, whatever app you use to listen to your podcasts, rate and review us, would you? If you don't, that's just absolute shit bloke territories, I'll tell you that much. Uh, knowable, download that, bang in the code Australia, get 20% off. Big thanks always go to From Oslo for the intro and outro song. Check out the new band, House Hats. And of course, thanks always go to Joshua De Laurentiis, Fascinated, Goldmines, Ramshackle Army, Iowa, Sex Jedi, Green, 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 and Dozers for the tunes you hear throughout the show. Smash them on Bandcamp, Triple Down on Earth, Facey, Apple Music, Spotify, whatever. Remember, NBA Australia supports Australian bands, so should you. Let's close out the week with a Cooking with Bainesy, a classic Cooking with Bainesy. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you on Monday for Game 2, you dickheads. Remember, make sure you check out the face in the live videos. This NBA Australia saying, look after yourselves, would you? Have a great weekend. Let's go get some tins. And later, who's it? Cooking with Bainesy is filmed in front of a live studio audience. And now it's time for Cooking with Bainesy with your host, Aaron Bangers Baines. <laughs> g'day, g'day, g'day. Yes, how are you all? Oh, look at you over there. <laughs> I see you over there again, Cheryl. Yes, we know that you love it. Oh, this is great. Yeah, g'day. Welcome to Cooking with Bainesy. I am your host, Aaron Bangers Bainesy. All right, so this here episode, we're going to whip up one of my absolute favourite Australian staples. You can have it whenever as well, at night, for dinner, after a big night on the turps. It's that absolute Aussie classic. It is Hawaiian pizza. Oh, yes. That's right. I love me some Hawaiian pizza. And it's easy as to make, mate. I mean, it definitely helps keeping up this physique, if you know what I mean. I reckon I probably cook about three of these bloody things a week, you know what I'm saying? And also, hey, just just for yous out there as well, don't bloody listen to anyone who says shit about pineapple on pizza. They can go and do what I tell every centre in the Eastern Conference of the NBA. They can go fuck themselves, all right? You can put whatever the fuck you want on pizza. It's pizza. All right, so anyway, Hawaiian pizza is bloody simple, mate. All you got to do is go down to your soupy and grab yourself a pizza base. I love the spongier, thick ones, you know. Grab a thing of tomato paste. Now, don't bother with the fancy pants shit with basil or oregano in it unless you want to be like all fancy pants and shit because uh, then you just grab a bunch of shredded ham from the deli, grab a bag of shredded cheese. Now, you can have mozzarella, cheddar, home brand, whatever you want. doesn't matter. It's just bloody cheese. And the key ingredient, a tin of pineapple chunks. Now, it's pretty easy to whip this bad boy up, so let's get to it. All right, here we go. Now... Just whip your base out. There you go. All right, now smother it with the tomato paste. Well, snip. There you go. Smooth it out a bit. Just make sure it's all over the inside thing. Now, dump your ham on there. Yep, all this shredded ham. Now, oh, get your fingers amongst that. Shove that to the edges. There you go. Spread that out nice and even. Yep, there you go. All right, now cover this liberally with the dead pig. Come on, man. You've got to put the ham everywhere. You just need hoops and hoops and hoops of ham. 
Just make sure it's the nice shredded stuff though. All right, now drain your pineapple into the sink or you can, you know, you can drain it into a cup and uh, drink that pineapple juice, you know. What bloke doesn't like a cup of pineapple juice, you know what I'm saying, ladies? Yeah, there we go. Now, fang the chunks of pineapple on there. Just put it everywhere, you know, just throw it around and then cover up the entire bloody thing with your shredded cheese. All right. Now, we've got this oven over here. Just wang her in there in the oven. There you go, just for a good 15, 20 minutes at about 220 degrees Celsius. None of that Fahrenheit bullshit. Now, sit back, grab a tin, and let her cook. Oh, doesn't that bloody well smell delicious? All right, now here's one we made a little bit earlier. So you can see once it's browned and a bit on the edges and all your cheese is all melty and nice, you whip her out, you chop her up into slices, and Bob is your bloody pizza-loving uncle. Now, give it a sec to cool down before you chow down. Don't burn your bloody tongue because that cheese will be hot as buggery, eh? So, all right, now it's there. Just get your bloody munch on. And that is an absolute bloody ripper of a meal. The best bit is, and this will impress everyone, right? You can cook it whenever you want. Mates, the missus, kids, everyone bloody loves Hawaiian pizza. And if they don't, just give them the old bangers, don't argue, and go tell them to cook their own bloody pizza. Because this is just bloody delicious, mate. All right, how easy was that? Cool, there you go. That is absolutely unreal. Love me some Hawaiian pizza. All right, so that's it for this week. Tune in next week for a new recipe, and we'll see you then on the next episode of Cooking with Bainsies.